Okay, it came upon the midnight clear. Good morning. If you would join us this morning, it came upon the midnight clear. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men, for the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, as we continue through our Advent celebration, we come to a time where we can be reminded that in you we have joy. In you we can rejoice regardless of what this world may be because you are secure, and in you we too are secure. Your salvation is yours. It has been given to us, and your kingdom will come. Lord, 
Give us eyes to see. Let us long for the fulfillment of your promises, and let us rejoice at their coming and in the walk we take in the meantime. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing choirs of angels, sing in exultation. Oh, sing all ye presents of heaven above. Glory to God, glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore If I can find tape, I think I can make it stop. Do you know where the tape dispenser might be? All right. I will keep talking until you come back. <laughs> I thought I had it, and then it's just... There you go. All right. I'm... There you go. When in doubt, blame the drummer. All right. Um, it worked for me. <laughs> um, handful of <laughs> updates. They're having too much fun today. I feel like a, I feel like a school teacher. Do I have to separate you? <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike went home from the hospital, so he, I actually called him yesterday trying to get up with him. Hey, 
me go. Oh, okay, you're too. Leave that way. Thank you. He went home yesterday. He was feeling so good that when I called him, he was waiting for Jan to pick him up, and he thought I was Jan calling him, so he called me hun. <laughs> Took him a minute to realize it, so we laughed. But he, he actually had a voice and could talk and the whole bit, so he's doing well. Sam is at KSB, but there's a good chance he goes home tomorrow. Same thing with Mike. Developed pneumonia, got a little lightheaded because not getting enough oxygen. So if you test positive for COVID... Beg them to write you a script so your insurance will pay for an oxygen tank at the house, apparently, because that's what they did for Mike. That's what they're doing for Sam, and that seems to be the 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 the, uh, the new thing. So um, Elizabeth isn't with us this morning. She is still recovering. She is doing better. I mentioned last week blood sugar went through the floor, and they took her to the hospital. She's She still doesn't know why it did that. Odds are something squirrely happened with one of her medicines, but she's been doing much better and just kind of getting herself back straightened out again. Um Vern isn't back yet. He tested negative for COVID, but he did have the flu. So you know someone who got the flu and didn't get COVID. It can be done. <laughs> it can be done. Um, he was still not feeling quite right, and so he didn't know if he was still contagious or not, so he said he was staying home, and I told him we appreciated that. Jonathan's under quarantine because they had people test positive at Chrysler, so he's, he's got, he got his wish. He said he was hoping someone at work would test positive so he could get two weeks of quarantine before the two-week shutdown for Christmas. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. I wonder how many other people thought that at the plant. Like, if we get a couple people to test positive, we'll get a two-week quarantine right before the two-week Christmas shutdown. And what are the odds it happened? <laughs> yeah, so I, Jonathan didn't test positive as far as I know, but somebody did, so... Somebody got it figured out. Somebody got right. the two-week vacation. There you yep. go. That's, um, that's the updates on people. Last couple things. Uh, church council today after the service, so hang around a couple of things real quick. We'll get through trying to make some plans for next year and get some things straightened out. The other I forgot last week, just it was literally written down. I read it and just didn't say anything, is your winter missions. Monthly mission project. It's not monthly. We're going to run this through the rest of this month and probably maybe even into February. So, Pregnancy Care Center of Rockford, there is a crib out there. We can't use those in the nursery anymore because dropside cribs are evil, and apparently they hurt children, so you're not allowed to put people in them. But on the side of the crib is a list of things for the Pregnancy Care Center of Rockford. Read the list carefully. The one thing I will make sure I point out is new items. They have to be new items. But if you can get something on that list, bring it back. What we would love to do is fill the crib so we can take everything and give it to them and be happy, happy, happy. So, but the main ministry is, again, part of, the, part of the idea is that trying to get women who are supposed to be trying to have abortions and get them to not, and then typically what happens if a woman does not choose an abortion is she suddenly has a child that she's now having that she hasn't planned for in any shape, form, or fashion. So they, they help with that. That list is part of those things. So grab a list. If we run out, I will print more. If you can grab something, we appreciate it. Just bring it back, put it in that crib, and when it's full, if we still have more time, we'll drag another one out of the nursery and see if we can fill that one too. So that's the goal through the rest of this month into January and maybe even into February. We'll see how everything goes. Any questions on that? Look at me. I explained something in the first try. So proud of myself. All right. Um, why did Joseph and Mary go to the city of David? There was a census. They were counting the people. Just so happens that the child needed to be born in a certain place. So it just so happened that God arranged that a census would be taken. So it just so happened that Mary and Joseph would get to where they just so happened to need to be. It's amazing how all that seems to work in the Bible, isn't it? 
at. Remember, as we work through Christmas, as we work towards Easter, as we go through all of these things, it's a reminder that none of these things happen outside of God's time frame, outside of his schedule, and outside of his planning. There are no accidents in your Bible, which means, do you live in a world different from theirs? Like, did Jesus arise and the world get remade? No. If there were no accidents on their planet, guess what's true about your planet? There are no accidents there either, which means the promises of Scripture still hold true, the working of God still holds true, and our call to walk in faith still holds true. All right. Don't say it out loud. i got to remind you guys, just because we hadn't done this in a while, what does Jesus' other name, Emmanuel, mean? I don't speak the English, apparently. <laughs> There's a reason for the question. This is so simple. I even told you where to go and why you should look this up. This is one of those fun little places because people like to question this. When you watch your History Channel specials on Christmas, they'll tell you Jesus has the wrong name because of stuff like this. So see if you can do a little digging this week, have some fun, and see if you can figure out and make sense of it. Sound good? All right. Anything else I am forgetting? Hey, so we're almost there. All right, so the foot is almost there. All right, that is good news. Yes. See, we take all the good news that we can get. Um, I saw a hand in the back. <laughs> no, no, we're back to the trivia. We're back to... Oh, okay. I'm sorry. You'll be all right. It'll be fine. I didn't see anything, so. <laughs> if you don't tell us about the mistakes, we probably won't even notice them. <laughs> What's the number one rule about being on a stage? You just act like you meant to do it, and nobody will know the difference, right? <laughs> so, so all right. I'm, so what? I'm sorry? That's for sure. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we meant to do it. We meant to mess that up. All right. Um, last little reminder just because we do still have some folks that are you, you know, trying to stay safe, trying to stay not sick. I know um, Clark hadn't been here in the last couple of weeks because his sister has had heart troubles and heart surgery, and he tries to go see her, so he's trying to make sure he doesn't catch anything. So Clark's avoiding all crowds whenever possible. So the reason I point that out is just a handful of folks. If you notice that you haven't seen anybody in a couple of weeks, give them a call. Remind me to give them a call because I don't notice everything in everybody as well. So. Just one of those little heads up that if you think about it throughout the week and go, hey, I'm going to call so-and-so. Send me a note, and I'll call them too later on that day or the next day just so we keep up with folks. This is something that we did a really good job at the beginning of all of this, and I don't want to fall down now as winter hits and stuff gets funky. So Sound good? All right. Anything else? Going once, going twice, then I'm going to get out of the way, and we can continue our worship service. Okay. You stand and sing with us, O Holy Night.
Hopefully that worked. Nope, nope, that's too tight. See, try to put it through the shirt so that it doesn't pull. But you know what the shirt does? The shirt pulls. So if you tape it a little bit loose, it's a little bit better. But then you tape it too tight, strangle your own self. So, <sighs> such fun. All the joys of trying to deal with a microphone and not rip it out and not have it smack me in the face half the morning so I can actually keep a train of thought. What are the odds of that? 
All right. Reminders. We are we're, we're skipping around in Luke a little bit, although not much has changed a whole lot, and everything that has changed we will cover this morning. So if you remember last week, and if you don't remember last week, I'll help you out and tell you this week, because that way you will remember. It's amazing how that'll work. Um, we covered the promised birth of John, the forerunner of the Messiah, the explanation of God's working throughout history, fulfilling a prophecy, all that good stuff. But the story doesn't stop with John. Reminder going backwards, Genesis chapter 49. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Such fun because sometimes the NASB and Bible translations in general do a good job of catching things, and sometimes they don't. Shiloh is a name, but it's a name that has a meaning. The one to whom it belongs. So Shiloh isn't the name of the king, it's a designation of a person. The scepter shall not depart from between his feet until the one to whom it belongs comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. What we're going to look at today, in the immortal words of, Pro of Poltergeist, he's here. Da -da -da. Try to remind you of all the bad 80s movies that you have blocked from your memory. Now, real quick, we are somewhere between 6 and 4 B.C. in the Grand Timeline. The reason we say that is we have Herod ruling. Herod is the one who promised or who tried to kill the children. We know he died in 4 B.C., so you have to have Jesus born before Herod died, which just goes to show you how once you mess something up, if you just act like you did it on purpose, everybody will go along with it. The, the counting of the ages from B.C. to A.D., well, I can't even say that anymore, because if you watch the television shows, it's no longer B.C. and A.D., is it? Used to be before Christ, and then what is it, Anno Domini, which is um, after, after the birth, basically, after Christ's birth. Now it's B.C.E. and A.C.E., right? Before the Common Era and after the Common Era. Of course, I always like to ask, what, what's, what separates the two? Yeah, same thing, nothing's changed. We just like to try to pretend it's something different. Anyway, what was supposed to be the line of change on that was the birth of Christ, but they miscounted. <laughs> so, oops, we just keep going with it. It's okay. So Jesus wasn't born in 1. He was born somewhere between 6 and 4 B.C. Just fun history tidbit that doesn't really mean anything for anybody, but now you know and nobody can argue with you about it. So we are in that time frame. We are at the end of the 400 years of silence as God is moving again in a visible way for his people. He is demonstrating and fulfilling all of these things. So let's read today's stuff, Luke 1, verses 26 through 38. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? 
And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Believe it or not, there's a whole lot in there, and since I don't want to waste any time, we're just going to dive right in. So back to verse 26. In the sixth month, okay, sixth month of what? <laughs> this is where we actually connect a little bit to where we were last week, Luke 1, 24 and 25. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me, to take away my disgrace among men. Remember, Zechariah and Elizabeth are in their old age. They have been promised a son. Now, if you're Elizabeth, do you get to pop out at month three and be like, I'm pregnant? Everybody look at you and say, what? You're crazy. So what's the best way to make sure you don't have to deal with that? Until when? Until it's obvious. About month five, can you really hide it anymore? No, it's obvious. Now you just show back up in public and it's like, um, wait a minute. What's going on here? What is that? <laughs> So, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, notice how Luke is connecting your dots here. The angel Gabriel was sent from God. Believe it or not, you've seen him before, we just didn't name him at the time. Luke 1, 18-20. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Smart man. Notice how he called himself an old man, but he didn't call her an old woman. I am an old man, she is advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. Behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Again, Luke connecting dots for you. Same angel that went to Zechariah as he was ministering at the temple is the same one that is now speaking to Mary. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. You live in a blessed time. Because up until mm, probably this century, uh, if you watched your History Channel in the 1800s, which I don't think you could watch the History Channel in the 1800s, but if you got your, uh, if you got your History Channel carrier pigeon messages, you would have doubted the very existence of Nazareth. Because it's not in the Old Testament, it's not in the Talmud, it's not in Josephus. It didn't exist anywhere outside of the writings of the New Testament. So when you get the lovely religious scholars who tell you that, you know, Jesus just passed out after the crucifixion, he didn't really die. And they go, well, we can't find Nazareth written anywhere else. What do we know the New Testament did? Well, they thought they made it up. Nazareth was just made up. This is why I love pointing these things out is, why does nobody think that anymore? You keep digging long enough, guess what you find? You find all the stuff that's there. And guess one of the things that's there? Nazareth. It's there. It's 75 miles north of Jerusalem. It was tiny. Tiny, tiny, tiny. Maybe a few hundred people at most, which by today's standards, that's really tiny. By then, it probably would have been considered a little bit larger. But not a significant place was scorned when Jesus is calling his disciples in John 1. And they tell him, we found the prophet from Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Ow! I wonder how many times he got reminded of that. <laughs> like every time Jesus heals somebody, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? 
you know, multiply the bread and the fishes, the fishes and the loaves. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Walking on the water, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? <laughs> they, I don't think guys are different now than they were then. Men, let's be honest. What would you have reminded Nathaniel of every day that ends in Y? <laughs> so, anyway, this is the point, though. Why Nazareth? It's tiny. It's small. It's insignificant. Nobody knew where it was for about, you know, couple thousand years. Colossians chapter 2. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. What do we bring to salvation? Sin! Go team! We bring all the bad stuff. We don't have pride about it. We don't have joy in ourselves about it. 1 Corinthians 1 reminds you. Those are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul prior to that asked the Corinthians, who's the wise man? Who's the smart one according to the world? And the answer was, none of them. None of them. You are good not because of you. You are smart not because of you. You are good and smart because you now know the truth that is in Christ. You see even pictures of that in the places that God chooses. I mean, if you were going to pick a spot for the Savior to be born in this world, where would you have done it? Jerusalem? Rome? Oh, Alexandria? Someplace big, someplace important. Nope! Jesus of Nazareth. And I know he's not born in Nazareth, but you get the point. He still has a hometown. Small, lowly, forgotten. Why? Who does God save? Those that are downtrodden. Those that have humbled themselves. He lifts up those that are lowly. He takes down those that are high in exalting themselves. You get pictures of the consistency of God even in the things that he's doing. So, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. We're not done yet. Verse 27. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. All right. A couple of things here. Uh, they did engagements different than we do them. This would have been a long betrothal process, in some instances a year or two. They were also, though, considered married. This was an opportunity for the soon-to-be wife to prove her fidelity, her faithfulness. This was the opportunity for the soon-to-be husband to prove his dedication and his work ethic, so to speak. The job of the soon-to-be husband during this period would be to prepare a place for his new family. Hmm, do we hear that language anywhere else in the New Testament? Remember what marriage is supposed to be a picture of. It's the work of Christ and his church. When Jesus tells the disciples he's going to go, what is he going to go and do? Prepare a place for them. Now, a couple of notes, because again, I have to deal with the, uh, the History Channel stuff. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. She's a virgin. Yes. That word means what you think it means. Isaiah 7, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Now, yes, the Hebrew word that is translated as virgin in Isaiah 7 can mean virgin, and it can also mean young woman. That wasn't a problem for Isaiah, because in Isaiah's day, if you were a young unmarried woman, what was just assumed? 
this was just how the world was. It was just assumed. We didn't need another word for it because this is the culture. This is the society. This is just what we do here. Get in line. Now, the reason why we translated virgin and not young woman or maiden, which some of your modern Bible translations may actually do, is because the Jews did a lovely thing for us. They didn't all carry around the Hebrew Old Testament with them, or what we call the Old Testament, the, uh, the Tanakh, the, the Law of the Prophets and the Writings. They didn't carry that around. They predominantly read Greek. So they had a tr Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. And as the children's, Bible, uh, children's video says, no, I did not sneeze. Sorry. It's a fun word to say, Septuagint. Um, Greek is a much more precise language than Hebrew because it comes from a more precise people, so to speak. It was a language used for banking, for military transactions, for legal things, all sorts of things. Greek has two words, one for young maiden and one for virgin. Give you a dollar if you can guess which one they used to translate Isaiah 7.14. They didn't use young maiden. They used virgin. Why? Because everybody knew that when Isaiah was talking about that sign, he was talking about what? A virgin will be which out. I mean, here's the big prophetic sign from God. You ready? A young woman will get pregnant. Are you impressed? <laughs> Who typically gets pregnant? Young women. That's why it was a big deal that Elizabeth, when she was advanced in years, got pregnant because old women... Sorry, ladies, let's just, we'll just use the same term. Old women don't typically get pregnant. Young women do. So for the prophet to come in and go, all right, here's your sign. Behold, a young woman will be with child. Which one, dude? Which one? No. When we say the virgin shall be with child, now we start paying attention, don't we? That's what's going on here. And we'll actually get confirmation of this in a few verses. We'll cover it when we get there. So, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Ooh. Joseph, this is important, line of David, which means that somewhere along the line, he is in the line for the throne. You know how British royalty works. you got the one who's directly in line, and then there's the one that they give a duke name to somewhere. David is some, or not David, Joseph is somewhere in this line. Why is that important? What would his son be? His son would be in that same line, right? He would be the, the quote-unquote rightful heir. But wait a minute, we have a problem. If Mary is going to be a virgin who is going to have a child, will the child be the son of Joseph? Hmm. I see some shaking and I see some nodding. All right, those of you that are shaking, or there, those of you that are nodding, how could this child possibly be the son of Joseph? I'm sorry? Well, no, God gives children, but this is a little different. Oh, there's a word. There it is. Adoption. Joseph will raise this child as if it was what? His. Why do this if you are God? It's a picture. It's another picture. Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Why are you a recipient of the promises of God? Because you are heirs with Christ. Were you born into it? No, you were adopted in. Joseph adopting the child Christ is a picture of salvation, even in what is going on. It is a beautiful picture of salvation. Because you've got to also remember, legally, this is even more binding than your own child. You could disown, in the Roman world, you could disown your own kids. Like if they were louts and they were useless, you could kick them out. You know who you couldn't kick out? Adopted children. No, 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 you sign papers. Those are yours. If you messed them up, that's on you. You can't disinherit the adopted ones. You can disinherit the regular ones. You can't disinherit the adopted ones. Kind of backwards from how we think about it, isn't it? Yeah, it's a better picture, actually. It's a better picture of actual love poured out, of a binding together of family, taking what was not a family and making it one, taking that which was not of God and doing what? Making it of God. Welcome to an explanation of what Christ does. Mention this, I don't know if it was last week or week before last. You know, we have a phrase where we talk about blood is thicker than water, meaning what? Family above all else. Um, in Christ, that should be true. What joins the people of God together? The blood of Christ. It should matter. It should matter deeply and strongly to each and every one of us who we are and how we got there because it's, again, not of us, but of the work that God has accomplished. So with all of that said, he came there just to, like, play cards, right? No, no, he didn't. Verse 28, coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. All right. I know why the NASV did this, but that's not the greatest of translations. Literally, greetings, Mary, full of grace. Ah! See, Matt's messing with kids, so, see, Matt grew up Catholic, so he's heard that. <laughs> Lou's raised, you, you were raised Catholic, you've heard that too. Mother Mary, and what's the next line? Full of grace. This is where they get it from. It's terrible for the Hail Mary. It's a horrible hermeneutic, and I'm going to tell you why. It allows one verse to build a theology. Never, 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 never. Try to build an entire theology on one verse. What's the rule? What do we never, ever do? Never read one verse. The minute somebody goes, oh, yeah, well, such and such says, and that's all, well, what else have you got? What do you mean, what else have I got? No, 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 I, I, want, I want more Bible than this. I, I, want, I want a structure. I want a history. I want something spanning space, time, books, covenants. I want all of this put together so that you can justify to me who you are and what you're doing. If you can't do that, but I got one Bible verse. If I got four Bible verses, guess who wins? I do, because my four Bible verses tell me more of a story than yours, than your one. Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. That means Mary's sinless, obviously, right? No, no, it's not. doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. Who has sinned? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are none who seek after God, not even one. Why are we going to this trouble to have a virgin give birth to a child? Because we need to have birth of a sinless one which means someone who bypasses the normal functions of things. His name is Christ. His name is not Mary, because his name couldn't be Mary. That would be weird. They definitely weren't doing that then. Shouldn't be doing that now, but that's a different sermon for a different day. 
So, this is why we don't pray to Mary. Mary can't answer my prayers. She can't hear them. Why not? 1 Timothy chapter 2. There is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, Hebrews chapter 8. Now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been acted on better promises, Hebrews 9. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that since a death has taken place for the redemption of transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal, of the eternal inheritance. Hebrews chapter 12. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant to be the sprinkled blood, I'm sorry, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. So there's my four. They all say what? Who mediates between man and God? Christ. Who else? No one. This is why you pray in Christ. Now, that does not mean you have a formula. I know I basically always say we pray in Christ's name. If I don't say that, does the prayer become invalid? No! I just say that because it's habit. And you know who can't break that habit? Me! Because I'm just enough OCD that if I don't do it, I feel like walking around going, but it doesn't mean the prayer is invalid. If you just throw up a quick prayer and go, please, Lord, help with this. Oh, I forgot to say in Christ's name, it didn't count. No. Your prayers don't count because you said the magic words. The prayer counts because it is Christ who brings your concerns before God. Why does Christ get to do that? No one else has died for your sins. No one else has died and been raised again. No one else has been proven to be sinless because death can have no hold over him. This is why the resurrection matters. If Christ had sinned, just like everybody else, he would have done what? He'd have died and he'd have stayed dead. But because death being the wage of sin, Christ having no sin, he does not deserve death. Therefore, we do what? We undo it. No, no, no death. No sin, no death. That's how this works. Therefore, he gets up. We got the resurrection stories for Mary? missed those they're not in there that's why she doesn't hear you god hears you the other reason why christ has to be god in flesh because in order to hear you he has to be who god this is why we don't pray to saints this is why we don't pray to mary this is why we don't do these things because they don't hear you i know why i know we say this all the time when somebody dies well they're they're looking down on you no they're not i'm sorry I know we say that a lot to children because it sounds good and comforting at times. No, they're not. Because I got bad news for all of you. I love you guys. But when I die and I stand in the presence of God, you know what I'm not going to be doing? Hey, God, what, what, what's going on down in Illinois? You know why I'm not going to be asking that question? I don't care. Because you know what I got? I got God. <laughs> you guys are on your own. But wait, I don't have to worry about you being on your own because you know what you'll have? The same mediator that I had the entire time. I don't have to worry about what's going on with you because God, the ruler of all these things, takes care of that. I don't have to. I worship as I have been called to. I function in a way that I have been called to. This is why we don't pray to Mary. This is why we don't pray to saints. We pray to God who sees, who knows, who mediates, who loves, who works, who does all of these things. Make sense? I know that's a long tangent for one verse, but that's what happens when you use one verse. I have to spend all this time to undermine and explain to you what the right understanding is. So, Mary is the favored one. What does that mean? 
Well, we're not there yet. You got to wait a second. Verse 29. She was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation it was. See, that's actually a pretty good response. Greetings, favored one. Who, me? What I do? <laughs> what made me so special? That would be my first thought. Welcome to Mary's first thought. What has she done that's so special, by the way? Anything? 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 Bueller? Bueller? Nothing. Verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, that's Bible talk right there. We've heard that idea before. Rewind back to Genesis 6. God is going to destroy everything and everyone, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. If you like your old school Southern gospel, they dubbed, was it Tennessee Williams did that song? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and he landed high and dry. And yes, that's, it, it sticks in your brain. I heard that song one time like five years ago, and I can't forget it. So you're welcome. <laughs> now, we know what kind of dude Noah was. Noah was awesome and got everything right, right? No. Noah was off the boat for five minutes and was what? I'm going to go get drunk over here, guys. I, I need a minute. Which, as a human being full of sin, I get it. Like, if I just watched the world be destroyed by flood and spent a few months on a boat with all those animals and my entire family, I think I'd get up and be like, I need a drink, people. I need a drink. I, I get it. Does that make it right? No, it does not. Noah's not sinless, but Noah, founds, Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. Who chose Noah? God does. Who adopts Noah? God does. What does Noah bring to the party? Sin and faith. What does Mary bring to the party? Sin and faith. Christian, what do you bring to the party? Sin and faith. Remember, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Notice that. We like to skip that. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Do I have any English majors here? What is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God? Your faith. You have been saved by grace through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. You bring almost nothing except that which God has granted you, repentance and faith continues in verse 9, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. Mary is confused because how am I favored? Ah, well, I'm going to tell you. You have found favor. You have found grace with God. That's good news. Let's keep moving. So in light of that, behold, what's your rule? Every time you hear behold, Take a time out. Something important is coming next. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Literally, the name means Yahweh saves, which is very good news because what did we just cover? Sin is what we bring to the party, which means if we're going to receive redemption, where does it have to come from? It has to come from God because it can't come from us. So, reminder, you will bear a son. You shall name him Jesus. Literally, Yahweh saves, which is a reminder that our God is a saving, gracious God. Psalm 68. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden, the God who is our salvation. 
God is to us as a God of deliverances, and to God the Lord belong escapes from death. Where did that come from? I have tape on my hands now. Okay. <clears throat> Catch that. That's Old Testament. God is a God of deliverances. God is the one to whom belongs escapes from death. God is the one who rescues. God is the one who redeems. God is the one who does all of these things, God and God alone. So this Jesus is going to have some qualifications, like what? Verse 32, he will be great. Time out. That's different from what we were told about John. John's greatness had a condition. He will be great in the sight of God. Jesus is just great. Why? Who is he? He is God in flesh. God is great. He is the Almighty. Go back to Ephesians 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's a pretty good definition of great, isn't it? He rules over what? Everything and every one. That is why he is great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. Time out. Go back to this adoption idea. Son of the Most High. What does that mean? He is God. Hebrews 1. He is the radiance of his glory. Talking about God. The exact representation of his nature. And Christ upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is God, Son of the Most High, God in flesh. This was obvious in Jesus' ministry, something that culturally we don't get that they did get. John 5. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. You see this a lot in John. They try to kill him like every other page it feels like. Why? Because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, that was bad enough, but also was calling God his own father, making him equal with God. See, he didn't just walk around and say, I'm a child of God. I'm destroying this place today. You just didn't do that, because to say you were the son of God was to say you had right to the inheritance of the things of God. What are the things of God? His wisdom, his power, his majesty his ruling uh, dominion over all creation. You don't get that. Jesus walked around daily claiming, no, 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 that's that, that. That's mine. This is mine. See, to a faithful Jew, that's blasphemy. That's why they wanted to kill him. You can't claim you're equal with God. Well, yeah, you can if you can do what? If you can prove it. Welcome to, again, why John does what? Water into wine. Healing the lepers healing those that had disease, the walking on water, all of these miracles were meant to do what? Prove that, hey, I'm telling you I'm God. Oh, yeah? Prove it. Well, I got power over creation. I got power over food. I got power over disease. I got power over demons. I got power over the weather. I got power over all sorts of stuff. Power that only God 
himself has. Gabriel to Mary is making the same point. He will be son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. I think we can say, as promised and delivered. This is the fulfillment of that promise to David, that there will be coming after you, your descendant, who will sit on your throne forever. This is what Isaiah was talking about, what we read last week, or two weeks ago. Isaiah 9, a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. Why? The government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. This is the promise. If you're Mary and you have been paying attention up until this point, this description is kind of it, isn't it? Because again, what's been the longing? What's been the singular longing of humanity since the garden? What have they been looking for? A son. A son. The seed of the woman. Do you ever wonder how that works? Like, you ever, you ever had your children described as that? The seed of your wife? No. Nobody talks like that. See, it was... It was done intentionally. It's a, it's a, it was a reminder, or not a reminder, but a pointing to something unusual about the birth that would come. So when Adam and Eve came together, they, should, they were like, maybe this is the kid. Well, it can't be. Why not? Well, how is that the seed of the woman? I don't know. It just is, I hope. If you're married, you've got to be sitting here thinking, virgin? There's no husband? Whoa. Son of the Most High? God from, wait a minute. Time out. If you're going to freak out, when would be the time? (laughs) Now. Now would be the time. So verse 34, I have questions. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? I mean, let's see. I think we're old enough in here. You know where children come from. It's not like angels appeared in your bedroom one day and went, child, you should be blessed. And then they left. That's not how that works. That's not how any of that works. I'm going to leave it right there. This is why we say the Septuagint translates Isaiah 7 rightly, because when we're talking about Mary, we're not just talking about a young woman, we're talking about a virgin, because Mary's not going to sit there and go, how can I have a child? I'm so young and innocent. No, she's saying what? How am I having a kid? I haven't done what you need to do to actually get that result. This is a very, very good question. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. The power of God. Does God have the power to create? Yes, Genesis 1-2. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Oh, 35, Elena, sorry, I didn't tell you. (laughs) There it is! We'll be there for a minute. (laughs) Notice again the connections. Holy Spirit will come upon you. Who's hovering over the surface of the waters? The Holy Spirit. You have the all three members of the Trinity engaged in creation. You have God ordaining. You have the Word being proclaimed. You have the Spirit being the active agent. So you have an involvement, and you have a working. You now have a better idea. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of 
God. To overshadow, literally to surround. So Mary will be overwhelmed by God, the power of the Most High. You see this in Exodus, if you go back to the dedication of the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It surrounded it. It overshadowed it. You couldn't go anywhere near it because no matter where you tried to go in, what was there? The glory of the Lord. You'll see the same thing when the temple is dedicated and the glory of the Lord comes down and fills the most holy place. It overshadows it. It surrounds it. It fills it. Now, this is important because this is another one of those History Channel things. Anything weird going on here? And I mean that like dad when you ask your daughter and her boyfriend when they come over the house, anything weird going on here? The answer is no. This is God engaged in his creative work. This is not some weird sex cult. This is not Mary having intercourse with Yahweh. I say this because this is, as we get farther and farther into human history, have you noticed we get more crass? Like, you, you see that. You, you see, t- do teenagers today talk the way teenagers talked 40 years ago? No, they're a little bit more vulgar now than they used to be, right? I mean, we can admit this. This is what happens. Every generation comes along and has to do what to the previous one? Oh, yeah? Well, you went that far. You know what I need to do? I need to go a little bit farther. And then the one that comes after them says what? Oh, yeah? You know what we need to do? And you're seeing this, the way we talk, the things that, the things that are acceptable conversation now, you just didn't talk about in polite company 30, 40, 50 years ago, right? I point this out because the idea that Mary had actual intercourse with God is something that has been written about, but it hasn't made it to the History Channel in mass because it hasn't been considered polite company. Guess how long that's going to last? <laughs> I, I give it like three or four more Christmases, and that'll be the next special. I want to point these things out because these are the things that are coming along. You need to be able to explain. What does this mean? How do you overshadow the power of God at work? the creative work of the Spirit of God, creating life in the virgin's womb. Now, what's the proof that this is going to happen? It's in verse 36 and 37. Behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And see, the angel's not as polite as Zacharias because he doesn't have to live with her. And she who is called barren is now in her sixth month. This would be a sign to strengthen If Elizabeth, who's old, can have a kid, you who are young can do the same. But this would also connect to what? This is a reminder of the prophetic and promised work of God in the past. Go back to your patriarchs. Sarah was prime child-rearing age when she had a child, right? No. Rebecca, they got married and had a kid, right? No. 20 years. Even Ruth. Go back to the celebrated story of Ruth. Do you ever remember how long were Naomi and family in Moab before all the men died? Ten years. What are the odds that you have two sons that marry two women and for ten years neither of them have children? What are the odds of that? Not not very good. Why did that happen? Because then those children would have been the ones to take care of Naomi and you wouldn't have seen the adoption and the marrying in that you saw with the story of Ruth. God closes those wombs. God prevents that so that when Ruth marries Boaz, suddenly what happens almost immediately? Hey, what do you know? Kids showed up. It's amazing how that happens right when it's supposed to, according to God's planning. So Elizabeth, having a child in her old age, would have been a sign connecting back to the promised and fulfilling work of God that was done. And what does this prove? Verse 37, nothing will be impossible with 
God. Who do I keep pointing out is the hero of the story? God. We, we read Hebrews 11, and we see what we call the hall of faith, and we see, you know, Abraham had faith, and Noah had faith, and Abel, and, and faith, and faith, and faith, and you even get guys you don't think should be there, like, and Samson, and you're like, Samson, like, of all, Sam, Samson makes it? Yes, because what's the thing that we, what are the things that we bring? Sin and faith. Giant, massive, mountain-moving faith, right? No, no, faith of a mustard seed which I can't even get my hands right for. Who's the star of the show? God is. The story of your Old Testament is not these great people doing great things. It is these miserable people doing miserable things and a great God working in spite of them to accomplish great things that he has planned, that he has promised, that he will deliver. Even in the midst of this, that's the lesson here. Nothing will be impossible with God because he is the one who rules and reigns. So what's left to say? Mary said, behold. Uh-oh. The bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. That's, you know, really fancy, fancy Bible way of saying, okay, I'm in. Don't miss how big that is. <laughs> this is where understanding some of your Old Testament actually helps you. Like, go back to Ruth. We overlook just how big of a statement Ruth makes to Naomi when they decide to go back to Israel together. Because Ruth doesn't just promise, well, hey, you know, you're old and you're my mother-in-law. Just because your kid died doesn't mean nobody should take care of you. I'll come and help you out at the house. That's, that's not the statement. It's, no, where you go, I go. Where you live is where I live. Your people are my people, and more importantly, your God is now my God. It's a statement of devotion and unity of family that will not be shaken. That's why you can see Ruth do the things that she has done. We overlook it because we don't think like that and we don't talk like that. We overlook this because we don't know the Bible history. So bear with me in a long section from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 22. Oh, excuse me. If any man takes a wife and goes into her and then turns against her and charges her with shameful deeds and publicly defames her and says, I took this woman, but when I came near her, I did not find her a virgin. The girl's father and her mother shall take and bring out the evidence of the girl's virginity to the elders of the city at the gate. The girl's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man for a wife, but he turned against her. Behold, he has charged her with shameful deeds, saying, I did not find your daughter a virgin. But this is the evidence of my daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the garment before the elders of the city, and the elders of the city shall take the man and chastise him. And they shall find him a hundred shekels of silver and give it to the girl's father because he publicly defamed a virgin of Israel. And she shall remain his wife. He cannot divorce her all his days. But if this charge is true and the girl was found not a virgin, then they shall bring out the girl to the doorway of her father's house and the men of the city shall stone her to death because she has committed an act of folly in Israel by playing the harlot in her father's house. Thus you shall purge the evil from among you. What's supposed to happen to a young woman engaged to be married as she's proving her faithfulness when they find out she's pregnant? Uh-huh. Go get the heavy rocks. May be done, according to your word. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. 
she's supposed to die. Why won't she? Because God will protect. God will guide. God will see to it that it's accomplished because it comes from him. Does she know that? Apparently she does because what did she say? There are pictures of what faith looks like. It's not great. Not always. It's as simple as saying, you have promised, you'll deliver, I'll do what? I'll walk. And this is what faith looks like. We make a bigger deal out of it sometimes than I think we should because I don't think we always understand what it means to just keep walking faithfully, to keep walking and trusting. Because this is what it looks like. Does she know how that's going to work? Like at some point she's got to go to parents. At some point she's got to explain this to Joseph. Guys, you're engaged. You're building your house. You're making a business. You're preparing for your family. And your future wife comes and goes, I'm pregnant by God. See, you're laughing, and you should laugh, because is that ridiculous? In any day, I mean, it doesn't have to be in our day, in any day, like, who buys this? Why? This is why you see in Matthew, what is Joseph going to do? I don't want her dead, I still like her, I don't want her dead, so I'll just send her away quietly. What has to happen? God has to come to him to explain things to him. Joseph is trying to do the right thing and protect her but even he has to have a confirmation from God. Can you blame the man? Again, would you believe your daughter comes to you and go, well, whose child is it? It's God's. That's the right reaction. When your daughter comes to you at 15 and goes, I'm pregnant, it's God's baby. Until I get a dream or an angel in the living room, no, you're grounded. (laughs) She doesn't know how this is going to work out, but she trusts what? God. This is what it looks like. Therefore, the angel does what? He departs. What else have we got to do here? I gave you the message. You're on board. Bye. (laughs) It doesn't even say bye. Just, I'm out. Angels just have a job, and they do it, and they knock it out, and they're gone. Now what do we do? Now we wait. Fulfillment's coming. How do we know that? Because God has promised. Is it going to be fun? Maybe, probably not. Hope, love, joy. Joy is not always fun, but it abides. I can keep walking faithfully because I know that God is at work. Not me. God is at work in me. And there's a difference between those two things. The minute I think I'm doing something, the minute I think I'm accomplishing something, you know who's messed up? Me. The minute I remember that God is at work, I am walking faithfully, I am trusting, I am ministering in his power, by his word, through his grace, now I'm in. Because guess what I can't do in that scenario? I can't fail. I mean, I get the result that I like, but you know what I can't do when I'm faithful? I can't fail. Because what did I do? I did what God commanded. I don't have to worry. Didn't turn out the way I wanted. Doesn't matter. I succeeded. I walked faithfully this day. You know what I get to do tomorrow? The exact same thing. Life doesn't look the same when it's planned out by us versus when it's ruled by God, and that's a good thing. Because when it's planned out by us, it focuses on the wrong place here, and it focuses on the wrong thing, us. But when it is lived in faith to God, it focuses on the right place, which is his kingdom, and it focuses on the right thing, which is his glory. The reminder that we have is that no matter what befalls us in this world, our joyful 
faithful response is to just keep serving God. I don't know what that looks like always. I don't even know what that always looks like in my world, much less yours. But you know what I can do each day? I can figure it out. I can make decisions based on what Scripture has taught, what God has said, and how I know I'm supposed to live. Why? Because I have a Holy Spirit that guides me. I have a Holy Spirit that protects me, and I have a God who will not forsake me. And if he can do that for me, as messed up and busted as I am, you know what he can do for you too? Exact same thing, and he has because that's what he's promised. And what do we trust? That what he has promised, he will deliver. Let's pray. Again, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the days you've given, for the trials that you send, for the strength that you provide that allows us to overcome. We ask, God, that you would continue that work, strengthening us, guiding us, preparing us. For those that have been sick, we thank you for the healing that you've brought. For those that have lost, we ask that you would bring comfort. We ask that you would strengthen us, that when we don't know how to walk, we would trust in you. When we don't know what to do, we would glorify you. Lord, give us the strength to carry on each and every day in service to your great kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. going to be singing a little town of Bethlehem.
reminder, church council, please hang around. Be a few minutes. Um, remember those that are still sick and getting better. And again, if you see somebody you haven't, you know, you haven't seen somebody in a couple weeks, give them a call. Let me know. We'll give them a call and keep checking up on folks. Let's pray. Again, Lord, as we leave, <coughs> strengthen us that we would do your work as your faithful servants, walking, knowing that your promises are secure and that you will fulfill. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. four different songs, but it's going to be a lot of great songs. Mm -hmm. <clears throat>